do you know what I think? And it's like very controversial, but I think being a person of color in terms of being of a darker skin tone, people give me the benefit of the doubt. Like I should know more than I do. So if I'm in compromising positions, they're going to assume that I, one, didn't know, knew and did it with intention and not malice. And three, I'm going to work towards knowing better. You know? Is that a very 2018 thing it's like a 2014 to 2018 thing i reckon you know because even like in 2014 or even 2012 when the whole notion of cultural appropriation came up and everybody assumed that i had like insight into whether you know something like braids are appropriate or not meanwhile i was in like malaysia wearing a bindi and I just have a lot of feelings. And I'm going to talk to you about the unintended consequences social media is having on your mental health. Is it genetic? Oh, Christ. How on earth can you have a problem with anxiety, Jordan, when you are so confident on stage? But I don't want to go among mad people. Oh, you can't help that. Most everyone's mad here. <laughs> Can would you stop taking pictures of yourself? Your sister's going to jail. Let's be honest. Do we start every single podcast by saying, let's be honest? I feel like we do. Let's be honest. I'm pretty sure we do. Okay, well, the internet is a treacherous place. We know that much. We're up to episode four. I think that's clear. Trolls lurk under pixelated bridges, waiting to pounce on suspecting tweeters. And conservative uncles make the Australian flag their profile picture on Facebook to signal their unrelenting patriotism. But it's also a kind of hilarious and fun place where God's gift, otherwise known as memes, exist. And Uber Eats, of course. And it's no secret that being a woman online comes with its own unique set of quirks. Often in the shape of hate tweets, anonymous emails telling you to go and fuck yourself, and other charming digital interactions. A man on the internet, Craig from Parramatta, how you going? (laughs) Once called me and I quote... A misandrist leftist bore... Actually, I'm going to do the accent I imagine you would have. Okay. A misandrist leftist bore with an impressively complicated... Nah, fuck it. I'm doing I like that. A misandrist leftist bore with an impressively complicated lesbianism and bestiality regime. I want to know more about this He's not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That is definitely a joke. We just want to make that clear. (laughs) Yes, please don't quote me on that. Um, But what about women of colour with confidence, digital sharp-wittedness and spunk? We speak to local Sydney legend Flex Mami about what being a plugged-in woman of colour is like in Australia's digital landscape today. Isn't it good? Flex Mami is a highly sought-after DJ, television presenter, beauty influencer and more. Trust us, Flex does not stop. And I just want to say now that she makes her own wigs and it's my favourite thing about her. I just found out this. I didn't realise she made them herself. I just always admired her wig collection from afar, but this, this changes everything. It changes the game. She's especially passionate about discussing all things identity, intersectionality and glowing the fuck up. And we are so excited to have her vivacious self joining us today. Hello, Flex. Hi. I was like, is this my cue? <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Where? Talk us through your look today for everyone who's listening. Um, I was just thinking about it in the lift earlier. It's almost like sci-fi fantasy meets uh, in quotations, I'm a creative mm. mixed with like like corporate creative so you give them a blazer give them a sequin give them like an accessory a really bold eye but a nude lip because i'm not crazy um and then a sensible checkered van so you know i'm, I'm a secret rock dog 
Amazing, and they're really working with the pants, the white stripe in the pants. Yeah. And your nails are electric green? Yeah, I'd say neon green, slime season. It's all very thoughtful. Love it. I don't even know what this. That's the end of the interview. Yeah, <laughs> Just quickly, just quickly run out. <laughs> That's me done. <laughs> For people who are listening who don't know who Flex Mummy is, yeah. could you tell us who you are? Um, I am a DJ, a TV presenter, a writer, a beauty influencer, the internet says, and a person with thoughts. Ooh. Hopefully thoughts that we can rummage through. <laughs> and a spooky binge? A spooky binge is one I feel strongly about. I like to, you know, we like to sort of sprinkle that in. We can't just give it to anyone. So a spooky binge refers to someone who likes the idea of manifesting the law of attraction, um, personality typing, cults, the apocalypse, things that exist in that realm. Okay. My full, like, 10-year plan is to get to the Oprah stage of my career so I can freely speak about my spooky binge needs and wants. Yes. But up until then, I've got to be, like, a little bit chill about it. I'm believing it. I'm believing it. I'm down with it already. Yeah, I feel like I've got a very cult leader essence about me Mm -hmm. that I would love to... Capitalise on and monetize like on sooner than later. All right, so we want to talk about how you developed an online persona. Yeah, because you're very online. Let's just say you're very online. Even mm. right now, the things that you're saying, like spooky binge, I wasn't exactly sure what that was. Really? I, yeah, I don't know. It's embarrassing. Huh? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Explains a lot. For this next issue. <laughs> you were just quietly judged. <laughs> Everyone could feel it. Oh, I appreciate that. I think. The name was definitely gifted to me. I knew that I needed to change my name from on Instagram. It was Young Lil Cena, but it was YVNG. And, like, nobody called me Lil Cena, but three people. And I was like, Why? the Vs instead of As and Us is going to, like, die down really quickly. And I remember a friend was telling me that I had just, like, over it's not a it was like a superior already complex mixed with uh, being very mothering mixed with always doing too much visually in the outfit so he's like you keep flexing on people and you're a cool mom and I was like hold on hold on there's something there we've got to pull out and then there was flex on me being online though I didn't the persona thing was new purely because I didn't find the value in sharing online I worked in social media for a while so I guess I drunk the Kool-Aid in a sense and didn't take it very seriously But I decided very early on that I wanted to make money from being myself and the way kids make money is being cool on the internet. So I was like, we need to sort of distill me in this fleshy form into um, an online brand personality. So this is a branding exercise. Yeah. Yep. It's a branding exercise, but life is a branding exercise. So, I mean... If you aren't branding yourself, then you're not living. I find that really interesting. I was thinking about this the other day. It's like a com- we we've become com- commodities. Mm, yeah. I don't think it's a neg- I don't think it's necessarily a negative That's thing. A fact. I I have a lot of power in it because now I can take control of my career because I can create who I am and what I put out online is what people buy, right? Yeah. But uh, was there a time when when you didn't think of yourself like that? No. I've always thought like that, but not in the way of translating it to social media. Mm. I definitely thought that I was always responsible for the perception of me. And so whether that have been, whether that would have been when I was younger and over-enthusing that I was as Australian as, every, as everybody else or wanting to date skaters, so I wore, like, plaid and, like, 
listen to guitar bands or things like that. Like the, you're always actively trying to present yourself in some way. I saw the Akubra hats as well. You've seen the Australiana. <laughs> You've seen the Akubra. You need to talk us through the Akubra hat thing because we were doing research. And <laughs> she loves an Akubra. She was talking to me. I was like, oh, we seem to look flexes here in, in an Akubra hat. And I'm like, oh, shut up, Madison. Like I'm trying to do <laughs> you work. Look like a literal Akubra. And then I literally saw the photo. Of and I looked good. Like, yeah. It's not even embarrassing. No. So, okay. So coming out of high school was a strange phase for me because I transitioned out of being like an emo thought is what I call it. So like perpetuating, like being like quote unquote emo for the internet, but not really feeling that way. And also realizing that the guys I was hanging out with, with were drop kicks, mm. whatever. And then I was like, you know what? I really want to be like an adult. I'm 17. I'm graduating. I really want to be an adult. So I was like, I want to have a corporate mum look like cool mum, but corporate. So I was like, let's wear a heel every day. Let's wear a blazer. Yeah. I oh my God. Yeah. Let's wear a blazer. Let's start engaging with the world as I would like to be perceived. So I want to be cool. But then I was also like, whoa, 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 it's feeling a bit flat. And I saw everyone was wearing felt hats and I had um, extensions in, so it made my head really big. Like you sort of sew in extensions, sew in extensions. So I was like, no, I need a cool hat that also fits my head. And a Cooper has come in sizes. I need a 62 centimeter Cooper. So I was like, this just makes so much sense. It's luxe, it's Australiana, it fits really well, goes with like the corporate cool mum vibe. Let's just run with it. But the thing about wearing hats is I can't really discern whether it's appropriate to wear hats indoors or not. So it got to be really hard to navigate how often I could wear this 200 and something dollar hat that I bought in three different colours. So I was like, we've got to cut it. And so we did. Fuck. And a Cobra. In a way, we know that you make your own wigs. Yeah. And that's something that I don't think a lot of enough people know. Because I have no idea. I think people think I'm joking as well. Yeah. Can you just run us through it? Because you have so many, like every day you've got a different hair colour on. Yeah. How many wigs do you have? In rotation or just generally? In generally. Mm, like... 20 something wow okay the thing is right so if you scroll through my feed maybe like last year i was wearing my natural hair a lot i dyed it orange which was all fun and games until the regrowth came in and i was like my hair cannot deal with this um and so i started googling wigs and wiggery but then it's like it's very expensive to buy a good wig and i'm very crafty so it's like i'll just make them um and so i did so uh, look, it's two things. You can either get a pre-made shitty wig and customise it, so cut, colour, dye it, whatever, or get, like, a little, a literal, like, wig foam, like a foam head, buy wefts of hair, sew it onto a wig cap, and then go forth. <gasps> Depending on what I want to do and how much time I have, usually it's just easier to just buy a blonde wig and, like, cut it, dye it, you know, create some layers, and sometimes you need more. It's so artistic. It is isn't so incredible. Yeah, it And also is. maintaining the integrity of my natural hair, which is, like, very important. Yeah. I had a girl, quick side note, I know we're not talking about hair, but I had a girl, um, she's, like, another African girl who DM'd me on Instagram, and she asked me what hair dye I use, and I was like, oh, I use Overtone, whatever. And she was like, okay, great. And so she goes away and comes, like, a few weeks later, and it's like, oh, I dyed, I bleached my hair, and I <gasps> dyed it like you, and it's not, like... I don't know how you got your hair so shiny. How does it work? And I, it was just like, oh, I thought, like, because we were, like, both black, you just understood, like, it must have been a wig, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, no, babe. It's like, this is not my hair. And she's like, but she, she's like, I asked you how you did your hair. And I was like, yeah, but it's mine because I bought it, not because I grew it. It was a whole thing. 
because I would. I could know. only be so apologetic because I'm very, very forthcoming about it being a wig. I don't, I'm not like down low, like oh, it's just mm-hmm. you know. I always say it's a wig, so <laughs> I don't know how she got it twisted. She, but she got it majorly twisted. Yeah. She's paying for it now. I'm like, I can't help you. Deep treatments, maybe. <laughs> Shave it off. Shave I want to talk about something that's really obvious about your Instagram, and that is your use of capitals, and I absolutely love it. And it, it's for me, it screams like confidence, enthusiasm. You seem unapologetic. How did you get that confidence to be so you? Mm, do you know what? Like, I really do like myself quite a bit, to the point where I would be offended if somebody didn't like me. So the confidence just comes from just liking myself and also having a mum who really, really over-enthused how special I was. Like, she's the type of mother who was like, if somebody doesn't like you, they're probably jealous. And I was like, I guess so. (laughs) That makes a lot of sense to me. So, yeah, I mean... Obviously, I feel like being confident doesn't mean you're void of flaws or insecurities, which I'm also trying to communicate quite a lot. Um, But the use of capitals was only because I think that when I type, I'm sharing value that I want to be read. And caps have like a sense of urgency. It's almost like creates a sense of drama that you have to read it, even though it might not be for you. And lower caps just doesn't... I don't seem like a lower caps person. You don't. You absolutely don't. If I use lower caps, it's going to be in a professional email because I'm quite unenthused. Oh. <laughs> or both. What yeah. about our emailing to get this off the ground? Yeah, professional emails. I can only use, t- like, lower caps, you know? <laughs> no, which is a shame. Fair. It is a shame. Even when I submit, like, captions for, like, work and stuff, they're kind of like... Are you going to do the caps? I'm definitely going to do the caps. Yeah, it's mate. just a professional email. Like, I am the caps. I am. I am the caps. <laughs> um, you said that you worked in social media. Yeah. How did you get to the job, the various jobs that you do now? Like, What is your job title? Where do you get money from? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, so... First question is what did I what did I do? What jobs did I have? Yeah, like what did you do before? So I worked in retail for like all of my like childhood life. Studied fashion business, dropped out, but still worked in retail and still like started businesses like selling jewelry, doing things like that. Mm. Uh, and then I dropped out of fashion business and then started working in I started studying PR and dropped out of that and then got a job in PR. So that's how I made money. While doing that, became a DJ. And DJs get paid a lot of money if you do it well. And so, what's your style of music? Oh, gosh. It's like rap, R&B, hip-hop, trap, dancehall, house, funk, soul, disco, pop, jungle. Oh, yep. I even did like an 80s party for Kat Von D. Yes. Really? Wow. 80s rock. Sorry, I did 80s, 80s rock. Um, how do I make money? So I'm a DJ, and DJs get paid quite a lot to yep. do the thing they do if you run it as a business. I am an MTV presenter. I also, like, host and moderate panels for everyone, a ton of people. I write for money. I am an influencer, which means I get paid to create content for brands, mostly beauty brands. Um, do I do anything else? I'm really good at figuring out how to make money because... People, I swear, people just want to give you money. It's really just like giving them a reason to. <laughs> but the amalgamation of those five income streams makes makes my life. Means you can dress as you do. Yeah. You can flex. Yeah, but also flex within reason. Like flexing is like buying heaps of designer, but also like catching a bus when you need to. Someone called me out today and was like, oh, saw you on a bus. That's really weird. And I was like, you know what they say about presumptions? Yeah. Now you sound weird. Yeah. Oh my God. I'll take my $500 Prada wallet away. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> what do you think this is? 
I don't know. Everyone gets it twisted. <laughs> I know you don't have to. It doesn't extend to every facet of your life. Yeah, You're I mean, smart about it. Yeah, you've got to flex within reason. Like it's the extended flex we're here for, not the short term. Like I flex between the ages of twenty two to twenty five, and I'm broke. You know. Yeah. I mean, it needs to be a sustainable flex. A sustainable flex. Yep. You're an MTV presenter, and growing up in Australia, almost almost all of our prominent presenters were uh, white with the exception of Yumi Steins and Fuzzy. Mm. What was that like to grow up with this? We're all around the same age. What was that like? I don't want to be the person who's like, I don't see colour. But it was one of those things where I was more reminded of the difference between me and my white peers in adulthood, not in childhood. Interesting. If that makes sense. So I didn't look at the TV and go, something's not making sense. Because I was always consuming content that didn't remind me of myself. Even watching, like, black Americans. Like, we don't live the same existence. I don't fear you know, authority or things like that. So even from that lens, it wasn't as though I was ever... It wasn't as though I ever felt represented. So looking back on media in my childhood, yeah, I mean, that's just what Australians were to me, just people who happened to not look like me but just existed where I existed. It's interesting because I think, you know, in retrospect, I was really viewing myself and the world from a very, like, you know, Eurocentric lens. Mm. And I think that if I was more mindful, I would have been a little bit more offended at the fact that I wasn't being understood or represented. But you don't know what you don't know. You yeah. Know? And now it starts to come back to you in, like, a vision. You're kind of like, oh, that's, like, quite cooked. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're here now. Well, it's like, from a female point of view, I just never took for... I never assumed that I could be a director because mm. I never knew any female directors. Whereas, like, yeah, I think... For, I'm interested. Did you always want to be a TV presenter? Like, was that something that you thought... Not at all. I guess the thing was... Um, I was encouraged to think very, like, whimsically about life. Not from my mum, but more so just school. And so I was like, I'll just be a psychologist. I like talking to people. I like, you know, analysing people. I like catching people up on, like, their belief systems. But yeah. then I was like, I don't like studying. So <laughs> um, that was quite annoying. And then even, like, studying PR, I was literally watching The Hills one day and I saw Kelly Catrone. I'm like, she seems like, you know, a really, like, dominant alpha female. I'd love to be in that position. I was like, but I don't want to work in PR. So the whole notion of being paid to be a creative wasn't something that I thought was feasible when I was younger because nobody did it but then that changed when the internet popped up and I was like you're all getting paid to not have to go to an office I want in I really like the way you talk about sort of Australiana and what you saw because you tr- it's almost like it was a bit of a costume like you put yeah. on the Akubra hat yeah. you put on I this role Australian culture <laughs> 100% <laughs> been appropriating. <laughs> like, I love that. It's only recently that I was like, okay, do you know what I think? And I, it's like very controversial, but I think being a person of colour in terms of being of darker skin tone, people give me the benefit of the doubt. Like I should know more than I do. So if I'm in compromising positions, they're going to assume that I, one, didn't know, knew and did it with intention and not malice. And three, I'm going to work towards knowing better. You know? Is that a very 2018 thing? It's like a 2014 to 2018 thing, I reckon, you know? Because even, like, in 2014 or even 2012 when the whole notion of cultural appropriation came up and everybody assumed that I had like insight into whether you know something like braids were appropriate or not meanwhile I was in like Malaysia wearing a bindi and, <laughs> and do you know what I mean it's like I didn't know what was going on but I was like well 
yes. look back, I'm like, well, you know, I'm wearing a chong sum too. Like, I'm getting across it. So <clears throat> I was definitely given the benefit of the doubt um, and learned more about identity politics and, you know, being politically correct in my adulthood. And I'm still learning and I still don't really understand a lot of things that I know to be problematic. But but you think you get away with it because you're a woman of colour? 100%. Are you okay with that? Yeah, because I need I need time to learn, and I appreciate being given that space and being given the benefit of the doubt because I know like you don't know what you don't know, mm. and so it takes time to understand what you don't know. I love you know? that, and I need time, and I think people need time. But if you aren't in my position, then I fear for you a lot of the time because you're not really given the benefit of the doubt. It's always seen like it's coming from a place of malice and. Sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. I think intention is something that sometimes... Easy for me to say, though. Mm. But, you know, I often think the whole notion of intention is... I I think we don't move through the world with intention generally. Mm. So to use that as, you know, a moral compass is often wrong because I don't, you know, my intention, you know, isn't to walk through the world in a certain way, but that's how it's perceived. Like, I remember when I started DJing and I had articles written about me and people would say, based on my presence, that I was like this beacon of positivity and optimism. And I was like, I don't didn't didn't pub- publish that but I'll take it you know yeah, what I mean yeah. like that wasn't that, my yeah. intention but I'll take it you know yeah. so in some ways it works in your favor yeah for sure but for that reason I understand why I have even more of a responsibility to be well educated and well rounded about things that maybe don't don't concern me because I don't want to be complicit in things that I didn't intend to be complicit in, vice versa. But I think it's a combination of your raw fucking I am flex, I am here. Yeah. yeah. If you were a woman, just regardless of colour, I think it's a really a new thing for a lot of people to take yeah. in, especially on TV. I think online is sort of like you can get away with it, but being on a commercial television station mm. and being the way that you are, I think is something that's so fresh and new. And being so like uh, so embedded with so many different brands like Maybelline, like beauty brands mm. as well which I feel like a lot of cosmetic brands are, are finally being held accountable for their like representation and seeing you up there just looking a hundred you know just mm. so incredible mm. and working it with such yeah it's yeah <clears throat> I don't know if this will make the podcast because I don't know if this is an appropriate question to ask Go for it. but like do you ever wonder if it's I don't think it's tokenistic. It is tokenistic. Oh, so you do think it is? 100%. Are you cool with it? Yeah. Because I guess... See, the thing is, the way I look at it is, irregardless of whether or not I have a say in it, somebody is always capitalising on me and my otherness. And the like, what I'm perpetuating is always going to be di- like digested in a way that I don't have any control over. Mm. So why don't I take control over that? You know, I think that when it came to entering the beauty industry, I always tell people it was a business decision. I didn't have any beauty stuff on my page up until six months ago. Because somebody in the beauty industry told me that there's lack of representation for people of, like, my complexion. And I was like, well, let's get it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yep. I'm acutely aware. But I also believe that performative inclusivity is the first step to actual inclusivity. So I'm acutely aware of the opportunities I'm being given solely because of my skin colour and solely because I am on, like, the more palatable side of being my skin colour. Do you know what I mean? She's like, she's quirky and she's fun and, you know, like, she's just like us and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, things like that where I'm like I'm highly aware that I'm still like the um 
sort of like the tricycle, like training wheels version of diversity for a lot of people. Yeah, like if yeah. Flex can do it, everyone exactly. can. Exactly, yeah. you know, and then you kind of like, oh, but, you know, like Flex grew up in the East and then, you know, like Flex was born in Australia, so it's kind of like not the same. Because, like, you know, I feel like I am, yeah, like this... Like, I am allowed to have a seat at the table because I sort of tick these boxes that make me not too confronting for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But if I was... If I didn't speak English as well or if I wasn't as articulate or or educated or well-learned or if I didn't dress in a certain way that made me a spectacle, then I feel like I'd be harder to digest, therefore not able to have access to to these opportunities. But Yeah, even if you weren't as, like, online in that way as well. It's all tokenistic. It can't not be, you know what I mean? It can't not be. Because there's no way to go... There isn't a way to go about it. There isn't. But I'm appreciative of it. Good timing, you know. It was very trendy to be a girl, a woman, someone identifying as a woman. It's very trendy to be a person of colour. Got to capitalise. Why would you wait? (laughs) Yeah. I love how you look at things in a business way. Me too. But I want to know, does that ever... Do you ever, ever have that feeling of like, oh, I just want to be... I just want to, like, not go out and have to flex today. But I don't. That's the thing. Like, I definitely um, limit the interactions I have with people, like, outside of the internet because I'm just not prepared for that kind of... um like this over hyperbolized interactions I'm not prepared for them in real life I don't need to be yas queen and like you're so amazing you're so unique you're so this in real life and every you get that if you, of course yeah. it's so because I can see through it and mm. it the flattery wears off because I'm like do you think I'm dumb <laughs> like do you not <laughs> see that I see what you're doing like yep. do you not see that your behavior changes based on how you interact with me I'm not giving that back to you I wasn't like yes like come on listen to let's get it queen yeah, yeah, so yeah, if you hard. did that to me and didn't do that to another person, I know for a fact you're interpreting or digesting me in a way that's different or completely biased to what you would assume I would be like. And it's rife. Yeah. And I understand it. People like to connect, especially because I think that I'm a lot more placid than people would expect me to be. Not because I over-enthuse being like... Uh, an extrovert they just associate like fun hair and fun whatever with like an obnoxiously like up attitude but I'm just yeah. like I don't have time like yeah. I really don't owe people like the polite banter and the back and forth and like you know I don't need to I don't need to humour people like I and I definitely would have like this time last year I would have been like I'm just so happy to be here and like yeah. everyone's being so accommodating and it's just so nice and like what's everyone talking about this is great and then yeah. I'm like whoa like you're not learning if I become complicit to the behavior you're like using against me i just need to be like hey like we chill yeah i'm not a caricature i'm not a caricature and it's so easy to become a caricature of yourself just Mm. because it's like you're perpetuating your brand ideals and like your catchphrases and all these things but it's like no let's talk about your relationship with color yeah because i remember watching an mtv style chat mm. where you spoke about how like early on you were a little bit embarrassed by color and your mum yeah. was the one that was like encouraging Where's, you to wear color please and now you, color and earrings yeah <laughs> and now like you, your whole instagram your whole persona is so bright and colorful mm. so what was that like reclaiming color in a sense probably happened around the same do you know what it was okay so the thing about um not wanting to wear color is because every time i was in a position where color would be like the forefront was in something that was hyper cultural and for someone who felt australian that felt alienating to me if that 
if yeah. you like however you want to process that it felt alienating to me so what would be an example of a garment like that um so like something hypercultural like a hyper- yeah. so just like it would be like let's say a skirt and top that's like pattern print and mm. everything like all the patterns all the colors blue pinks yellow oranges just like top to bottom like bright pink lipstick you know red shoes just like everything i would find amazing now but i think you know it was just like overwhelming I was like I don't want to be reminded of this thing because you know if you can imagine like people don't necessarily wear a lot of colour day to day at least not when I was growing up you had a school uniform that was black and white and then your pop of colour wouldn't be like you know a red pen you know Mm. so I was just like oh I'm not into colour sort of thing but also that was tied into like perpetuating this emo lifestyle that I just wanted to do for like clicks or whatever so I was like real emos wouldn't (laughs) and so I didn't you know but I also found like uh so I was saying before, like, oh, in a different interview that, like, the turning point between me between me realising that, like, yeah, I was Australian, but not, like, not Australian-Australian, was the fact that when it was Harmony Day in high school, my teacher was like, what are you going to wear? And I was like, oh, these new disco pants from American Apparel. And she was like, no, what are you going to wear from your culture? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she was like, no, like, you've got to, you've got to, like, you know, where from where you're really from. And I was oh like, I gosh. just don't get it. And before I even knew to be offended, I was just like, I'm like what did she say? <laughs> it was like this naivety. <laughs> I was like, just wear the thing. And so from then on, I was very, became more aware that even if I would like go out of my way to over-enthuse that I liked certain things, people would see what they wanted to. And colour was one of those things. Like, even if I was wearing a full black outfit, people would still know that I was, you know, culturally different. They would still be aware that my personality was bubbly. Like, I can't outrun the perception of me based on what I was wearing. So I was like, well, like, fuck it. Then we need to just like, just do what you like, you know? Because I think I was upkeeping a facade even though I didn't realise for the benefit of people who couldn't realise I was doing it for them. Yeah. yeah. This is for you. Like, and then, like, <laughs> no, you don't see? It. Okay, fine. So then I just had to do what I liked. And what I liked was being the brightest or the most extra person in the room. Yes. And it's done you wonders, right? Hasn't it? Yeah, it really has. Do you have a lot of um, friendships that you've cult- cultivated online? Like, who do you hang out with when you're not working? I hang out with... I try... See, I have a lot of close musician friends that I maintain a virtual relationship with because that's the nature of travelling. But in terms of, like, my friends' friends, people I call and exciting things happen, high school friends, for sure. Just because I think that... I don't doubt you can make very genuine relationships within the industry and space, but I often find that the intersection between like money, clout, social status, and then genuine friendships and boundaries all gets muddled. Mm-hmm. That I'm very hyper aware that I don't want to over enthuse relationships that aren't there purely because like we might be on the same label or we might play the same music. It's just not that serious. And I often find that generally, I think that I'm really uh, easy to relate to or with but I don't that's not mutual for me like I feel like yeah you might see me and get it but I don't see you or get you so I don't want you to think that there's a mutual best friendry happening here it's just not it so I had to make a conscious effort to pull back in every way like not be so available just because I didn't like feeling as though everybody knew me because you don't Mm. and like and I think it it became really clear when I would integrate interest like if I was like hey have you guys ever thought about the the paradox of choice like we're just all out here consuming (laughs) shit and like we just want more of it but it doesn't mean anything hmm and everyone's like well (laughs) you're quirky I'm like but (laughs) what do you mean can we actually have a conversation (laughs) yes queen (laughs) 
Yeah, no. Do you know, can I just quickly say the tipping point, right? So I remember, so maybe like last year, peak Me Too, um, and everybody was coming out with their own stories and sharing their trauma, which I thought was really quite brave. And I was like, I just wish I could add to the conversation in a way that was conducive and not just steering, sort of like uh, steering the ship. And so it was like about me again, because I'm very mindful that I can do that without knowing. Like, it's like, give me an inch and I'll take 16 miles. So I was like, I don't want to make this about me when this is like something great's happening. But I didn't know how to support the cause. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do my due diligence. I'm going to retweet. I'm going to share articles. It'll be fine. I remember I was DJing at an event where I was on this podium. It's a cool corporate event. It's on this podium hanging out. And there was like these three drunk, like, beefhead men, maybe in their 40s, came all the way up to this podium. You could imagine, like, it's... I'm in the centre of the room on a podium. Not that hard to get to, and I'm very easy to see. So you can see me from any vantage point. This guy comes up and he's like, hey, you're sweet. He's, like, grabbing my arm. He's, like, pinching my leg. He, like, puts his arm around me as if to, like, you know, we're all, like, we're besties here. And then brings his arm around my neck. And he's, like, he's, like, be chill, be chill. Nobody will do anything anyway. And I was, like, whoa. So obviously I skitzed it. I was, like, this isn't cool. I was, like, pointing out security. I'm, like, do you see this? Do you see what you're letting happen? Don't. Don't come up now and try and help. Like, don't. <laughs> I've got like, this. I've got this. But just so you know, I see you not helping. Yeah. I was like, and this is there's like two hundred people here. You can all hear me. I'm like, I see you all seeing this, not doing anything. Like, I don't even care. I could leave right now. Anyway, so I was like, you know what? Now I've got a story to share, and I feel like this is really surprising because I was like, isn't it? I almost willed it into my into existence, right? I was like, oh, this is so, so unfortunate. Power. Law of attraction. But I shared this story on my Instagram. I don't really share... Well, back then, I didn't really share a lot. I wasn't really talking about anything anything remotely even political and I remember I posted it I was like hey like FYI like shit things happen shit's cooked whatever details about what happened how I felt and the comments where'd you get your shoes from (laughs) whoa is that a new wig I love that one you look so pretty what's that highlight and I was like oh my gosh you really out here (laughs) and then I was like okay Okay, so if people aren't seeing you, not consuming your words when you speak, then you don't have obligation to do anything you don't want to. I feel like that leads really well into the question we asked everyone, Mm. which is, what do you keep offline? Mmm. Relationships? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't, or if, if I were to show a partner, a boyfriend, I wouldn't specify. I'm really off that, only because I don't like, because um, I feel like my space in the industry, I've set standards for myself and exceeded them. Like nobody told me or elevated me in a way that I didn't do for myself. And I would hate to like pass the buck and be like, hey, now you get a say into my life. And I feel like presenting a relationship online does that to people. They yep. feel invested. They feel as though they get to now critique you in a way they wouldn't have before because everyone's been in a relationship. Not everyone's a DJ. Not everyone's a TV presenter. Yes. So it's like that boundary is always there, you know. But all of a sudden you're showing your relationship and it's like, oh, I get this. Oh no, I, I, look, let me pull up a seat. I don't know how this <laughs> works. I was like, I can't be bothered. It's another conversation opener. Yeah. It's another conversation opener that I don't want to deal with. It's not not that serious to me. And then also, I just feel... What else don't I put on? Family? Mm. I don't put on family only because I want to be really clear to people that you just don't know me like you think you do. And... 
by showing family or family dynamics, I think people get really excited, like, oh, this is another piece of the pie. I really get her. And I think that I could never do a good job with explaining who I really am. And I don't want to give people too many, like, puzzle pieces to put that together for themselves. Because yeah. you already do it enough and get it wrong all the time. Do you know what's funny you say that? That has me reflecting on how I use social media. And I found that when I was getting more political or writing more about social issues, I'd always put up photos of my brown family members. Mm. And I realised I wasn't doing the same with my white family members. Mm. Like, it was always, you know, the Sri Lankan aunties, and I was really getting into that. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm making myself... I'm trying to get permission from other people to talk about things that matter to me. So I really madly respect that because you're creating really healthy boundaries, and you're so right. People respond to pictures of my brown family because they want to feel like they know me. Yeah. Mm. It's so true. Like, we get it. We know this dynamic. Yeah. But you don't. Not even I know. I don't even get it. So you you possibly couldn't get it. You know? Exactly. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going For on. Me. I'm like team question everything. I'm just like, wait. <laughs> so you're saying that people are going to work for... 80% of their lives <laughs> and everybody's cool with that. Okay, okay. Wait, so what you're saying is like, <laughs> I just don't, And but I think that's the greatest part, not getting anything. But yeah, so that's my thing. I don't put up relationships or family and mm. that's a now thing and that's only because when I share a little bit, everyone's like, what's the update? Mm. What's the this? And I'm just like, who are you? <laughs> like, it's overwhelming. You know? You, you're a deep thinker. Like, you think about things and mm. you, you yeah. seem... I imagine you're into philosophy. It sounds she like you are. You said something about the something of choice. The paradox of choice. Of choice. Yeah, and your ears pricked up, so I imagine it's maybe <laughs> philosophy. Um, but do you ever, like, wig yourself out or struggle with mental angst? Everyone does, but... See, it's tricky because I think mental health is one of those things to me where I don't know if that's being raised in, like, a very stereotypically... Uh, African family in the sense that like mental health wasn't like a topic of conversation so like I'm not even sure see it's very interesting okay how do I side note this I wasn't even sure depression or anxiety was something that my mother understood until I divulged to her that a partner of mine had depression and she was and I was like couldn't cope because I was like I don't get it like I'm just so like Mm. literal and lateral and like things just are how they are and if I'm just feeling down it's because like it's very um stimulus based you know things don't happen in here they happen out there first and I'm affected by it but she was like oh I have depression and I was like mum huh (laughs) mum what and like if you could only if I'm I am my mum like but if anything she's just way more extra and way more everything and committed to the cause wow yeah I mean probably not in her she's 50 now so she's like in her sensible phase of adulthood but she was the type of like heels to the grocery store time but I was like you with depression how Mm. and it sort of like opened up my mind that like not even I really understand I feel like I'm a suppressor by nature so even if I did I'd be like "Mm, not for me not, not for flex. No, 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 no. I don't want, I don't want to deal with this. This isn't going to work with my schedule. Already too many things I don't get, and I just this is not another thing that I need to deal with, you know. And I think for me personally, it's much easier for me to navigate the world thinking that the way I see it is stimulus based. I don't like because I trust my reality so much that if my reality was now to be flawed, I'd be so cooked. What about next time on No Chill? Well, we'll be chatting to somebody who specialises in depression memes. Yes, that's right. Her name is Carolyn Duchene. She's wild. 
So stay tuned because it's dropping next week. If you know somebody who could really take a no chill pill, tell them they can find us by searching for no chill on iTunes. And if you listen to this and wonder what we look like, or want to know what we eat for breakfast via our Insta stories. I just want to know, we don't actually put our breakfast on I Insta know, stories. I know, we really don't, but we will from, from now. Sure, sure. We will from now. <laughs> you can follow us on Instagram. Lucinda is at Frooms, and that's triple O. Yep. God, emergency. Mm. And I am at Madison R. Griffiths. And if you liked this podcast, or... If you're one of our enemies, we do have some, don't we? I was going to say, actually, I don't think we do. I I, I reckon I do. Craig from Parramatta, how are you going? (laughs) (laughs) And you thought this recording was really embarrassing and worth bitching about in your group chat? You got something out of it, so please give us five stars on iTunes anyway, would you? And, as always, don't keep calm, but do carry on. Goodbye. Um, Yeah, it's it's weird. (laughs) 